Welcome to Larry King Live. <laughs> Are you Larry? <laughs> We're happy today to have uh, George and his wonderful son, Jared Hancock, with us today. You know them all, right? I've known them for years, Lori and the family. Uh, they're going to talk about, well, I'll let them tell you what they're going to talk about. <laughs> George? Good morning, church. Thank you for having us here this morning. Uh, I guess the first thing I should do is thank Pastor John because right about this very spot 33 years ago, uh, he married me to the pretty lady in the second row. And if he hadn't helped me catch her, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about fatherly heroes today. <laughs> so my name is George Hancock, but for the past 30 years, you guys have known me as maybe during the PCCA years as the father of Clint and Becca, or as the fa father of youth pastor Jared. But really, the most common one I got was, you know, that handsome guy married to Lori Hancock. <laughs> and I will talk a little bit about humility later. But deep down inside, I've always considered myself the secret weapon. And uh, then a couple side notes for you guys watching online. The camera does add 20 pounds. I am still 6'4 and 180 pounds if I was standing up. But I am a little nervous that Pastor Scott has me sitting on this trap door because he already warned me on Wednesday that it, what would happen if I went too long. <laughs> so today I'm going to speak to you about fatherly heroes and the influence on my life. So we're going to take a step back in time to uh, my ancestors. Do we have that slide? One more, please. Um, my ancestors, uh, they left the old country of Rovigno, Italy, and you can see here on the screen, is very far away, and they, they moved here to start a new life and a new family in the new country. So there were five brothers uh, in total, the champion brothers, and at this time, this portion of Italy had been conquered by Austria, and it was mandatory that all served in the military, and Mama Champion vowed her sons would never wear the uniform of their conquerors. To the next slide. It was decided the oldest son would stay home, but the other four brothers would leave for the new country. They were separated for a few years, but brought together again in New Orleans. There's a lot on the screen there, but it's really too much to read, but it, it's some articles from the uh, Brownsville Herald. They fought together with the Americans in the U.S.-Mexican War in 1846 through 1848, and then they settled in the Port Isabel, Brownsville, Texas area. The brothers settled in Port Isabel because this area reminded them very much of their Italian hometown. And to this day, there's a Champion Family Museum in Port Isabel, Texas. But they faced many hardships. And I personally think about how hard it was for their mom. But I think of these four brothers leaving their home, moving to a new land, not speaking the language. But they really had even tougher challenges. After being involved in both the Mexican-American and in the Civil War, Albert found his house had been taken, his cattle scattered, and his stagecoach business had been destroyed. And because they were right on the Rio Grande and the Mexican border, they faced constant raid by Mexican bandits in these days. Three of these champion brothers married three Sola sisters, and they had many children and raised large families. And many of these descendants are still in the South Texas area today. Next slide. So I am a direct descendant of one of those four brothers, Albert, 
champion. And then he had a son, George. So even my name, it, Jorge Alberto, is, you know, cognizant of that. My, my grandfather, Robert Champion, who was my hero, uh, he would have been the great-grandson of George Champion that you see pictured here on the slide. So on to the next slide. I mean, that, that all sounds great, but things are never really that easy. And I really feel that while my hardships were different, God's grace prepared me for the path to overcome the obstacles that I faced. So I never met my biological father. I heard Sandra's story, and very similar. Uh, rather than marry my mother, he chose to pursue his degree in pharmacy. But then at age 12, I lost my grandfather, and he was my hero, a U.S. Army veteran, a carpenter by trade. He was semi-professional in both golf and baseball. I was his oldest and first grandchild, and he loved me unconditionally and I still cherish our time together. Also, that same year, right around 12, my adoptive father began to drink his life away into alcoholism. Over the next six years, we lost our house, our home, and our family unit. So while I didn't realize that at that time, God was preparing me for my future. So, following along some of my favorite pastor work. I, I have a biblical definition on the next slide of champions. Okay, and not surprisingly here, champions persevere under pressure. They wait calmly and courageously. They resist weariness and defeat. And in other words, they do not allow their circumstances to rule them. The apostle Paul is a great example for us to follow when it comes to facing hardships. And so, by the way, while I was looking at the biblical dictionary, I looked up the definition of Jorge, mostly for Pastor Scott and for my wife, Lori. And they've been right all along. When you translate Jorge from Spanish to Latin, it really does mean pot stir. But don't fact check me on that. <laughs> so back to my story. So I was able to persevere under pressure. I did not let my circumstances rule me. I went on to graduate from high school and college and then had a sex successful career with Coca-Cola, Fiji Water, and several other companies. But you know what? That's a resume. That's not a legacy. So as I come towards the end of my section here, I want to leave you on the next slide with four fatherly points. Number one, through God, all things are possible. Instill the solid morals and the golden rule. And I hope that I'm a living example that even in today's America, with some hard work and some perseverance, the American dream is still very possible. You are who you associate with. Bad people lead to bad decisions and bad results. Point number three, and especially for me, be humble and not judgmental of your fellow man. Until you've walked a mile in their shoes, you know not what their life is like. And then my favorite Pastor Scott sermon always has been finish well. Too many people are depending on you to finish well. It's your legacy. How do you wish to be remembered? So in closing, somewhere high above, I truly believe the champion family, and especially Albert, George, Robert, my dear mother, are smiling proudly and are well pleased. I truly believe my faith in God and perseverance both instilled in me by the Champion family, was my foundation. 
and it's a foundation that is caring, generous, and faith-based. It's part of me, my family, and my children. And I'm so proud of my three children. I see the champion legacy in each of them and that beautiful granddaughter. This church and so many of you here today have been instrumental in shaping my godly path over the last 30 years. God bless you. God bless this church. And God bless America. Thank you. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys having me as well. Um, good job, Dad. Way to go. You know, if you had told me 15, 20, 10 years ago that we'd be up here talking together to you guys today on Father's Day, I probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but as a result of a lot of prayer um, and coming together as a family and just growing together to, towards God as a group, i super happy to be here this morning talking to you guys. Um, I got a, a couple points uh, today, but I was told we only had five minutes, and he took half of mine, so I'm going to try and make it as quick as I can. Um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 24, um, but focusing on 22 and 23, it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And a lot of what being a father is like is, is, is represented here in this verse. Um, there's a ton to unpack here. There's a, you know, this verse has a ton of different meanings, and there's so many different commentaries on it. Um, but I'm going to focus specifically on, on the point that I want to make, and it's that the eyes are the doorway um, into your life. What you see is what you learn, and what you learn impacts who you are going to become. And in a lot of the context of this verse is, you know, you talk about it to a teenager, you talk about it to a young adult or an adult, it's, you know, keep your eyes focused on things that are good, that are wholesome, that are holy, that are glorifying to God. But when you look back on your childhood, or if you look at your children, you realize that a lot of times you don't get to choose exactly what you're looking at when you're a kid, right? You, you're surrounded by your family almost all the time, specifically your siblings, your parents, and you know, it's by God's grace that I was given the family unit that I was given. Uh, that's the only, the only reason. Um, and so I grew up watching my mother and my father um, and the way that they lived their lives. And the way that they lived their lives taught me um, how I should live mine, or in some cases, maybe how I shouldn't, right? And that's, that's what learning is all about. <laughs> that's what learning's all about. And where I, where I kind of want to move next um, with the point here. Um, there's a lot that I didn't realize about being a father until I became a father myself. And I think everybody understands that if you're a mom, if you're a dad, if you're a teacher, right? If you, you don't realize what it's like until you're actually in it. Um, and that's true of almost everything. And so now that I'm a dad and I'm, you know, in my career, oh, he's 30 years older than me. I'm 30 years older than my daughter. So it's, you know, you can see it draw a lot of similarities. Um, you realize that the amount of time it takes to, to parent well the investment that it is to, to parents strongly. Um, and so I was looking and thinking about what I wanted to talk about today. And I remember one time specifically, um, I was in eighth grade, and it's like just a normal day, 
right? Just a normal day in the world. Um, he, he's at work. He goes to work early. I think and when I was in eighth grade, he was probably working pretty solid, like a nine to five, nine to six over in Maitland, right where the Georges happened to live. We didn't know it at that point, right? Um, so, but he comes home and then immediately I've got hockey practice in Rockledge, Florida, um, which is like a 45 minute, if you're lucky, drive away. So he, come, he comes home, we get eat dinner, get in the car, immediately drive over there, get, get to practice, practice, get back in the car, drive home. On the drive home, I've got my the light on, and I'm doing my math homework in the car because there was no other time to do it. And I'm factoring, like, just basic numbers, like 32, right? Okay, 2, 4, 4. That's how it factors out. Really, it's like 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2. But it doesn't matter. And we're going through it, and I'm asking, like, hey, Dad, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't understand it. And he's driving. He's literally been working all day long. Drove me to hockey practice. Driving me home. Teaching me how to factor numbers for my eighth grade math class. And like that sticks with me now because I'm a dad and Laurel's only two and she can count to 10, which is phenomenal, but she's not factoring any numbers. It's what you do when you're too tired to continue that really shows your perseverance as a parent. And I would just encourage you guys, that's something that I learned by watching my dad. And so when you look at the points that I have today, it's influence is the beginning of impact, and it all starts when someone sees your actions. And then Colossians uh, 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And those are two lessons that I learned from my father. And I appreciate you guys listening to us today. Thank you very much. I couldn't help but think, as uh, the Lear's family is coming, that products of the church. Uh, this, is, this is what the church is all about. Uh, bringing up children and teaching them in the way they should go. And I think you're seeing a bit of that. Uh, I know you are. Uh, let me introduce Mr. Chuck Lear. He's the... Uh, esteemed uh, husband of Sandra, who you see every, here every day, and uh, Amanda. I almost said Aaron, Amanda, and she's here today too. Amanda, are you going to preach today or just teach? Okay, have a seat, have a seat. Good morning. Oh, um, before you start, yes. let me say something. By, you, you've heard this way back yonder, way back yonder, when this guy was about like this, and I would walk down the aisle, he would, he would eyeball me, and I'd say, you're going to be a big man one of these days. There he is. I had two My older sisters, came I didn't true, have a huh? choice. <laughs> yeah, Michelle Taylor said, you got five minutes, so if I go longer than five minutes, my son up there is going to show Microphone, just sorry, just kidding. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I've been working on this all week, and the Lord's been working with me on this, and it's kind of heavy subject for me, so it's going to get kind of heavy at the end. But I think we need to be kind of heavy sometimes because we're in the times we're in. We need to be step up, and be dads fathers so i apologize in, in advance uh when pastor john stopped me in the hall the other day and said that uh, he wanted some dads to come up and give testimony on 
what it's like to be a good father. And I'm thinking, well, I'll be sure to be there that Sunday because that should be pretty good. <laughs> and then I turned around to see who he was talking to, and then we just kind of got awkward. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, when he asked me, I knew what I was supposed to do. This kind of strikes a chord with me on Father's Day and Father's Today and leading your family. Several years ago, I prayed. I said, God, somebody needs to step up in this church and start a men's group of some kind. The men need to get strong in this church. Somebody needs to step up. And I got back, yes, you do. Oh, great. So three years ago, um, I started with PC men's or PC family nights, a men's group. Uh, we meet every Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8. Um, when I started doing it, I said, God, what am I going to do? I got guys that have been Christian for years, and I got baby Christians. What do I need to do? This is completely off script, by the way, if you notice that. Yeah. Uh, he said, he, I said, well, how am I supposed to teach this? He said, baseball. What? Baseball. And I knew exactly what he meant. If you guys ever played baseball, you understand that what you practice every week is the fundamentals. If you've been out there and you're a professional baseball player, you practice the fundamentals in baseball every week. The reason you teach the fundamentals is when it comes time for the big play, you know the fundamentals and you can make the play. That's what God has told us to do is learn the fundamentals. So when somebody comes up and really needs Jesus, you've got the answers right there because you know. If they question your Christianity, you know because you know the fundamentals. So anyway, that's a whole separate thing from what I got written down here. Sorry. The scripture that I got that came to mind was um, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 5 through 9. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. These commands I give you today are to be in your, on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and on your foreheads and write them on your door frames of your house and on your gates. I love what Jared said. Jared, Jared and I just, it's got to be the Lord. You got to be God in front of your kids. That's where you teach your children. You got to teach your children about God on your own. Bible doesn't say send them to Christian school. I love Christian schools, but don't send them to Christian schools. Expect them to learn about Jesus. You need to learn about Jesus at your home. Um, um, the other thing that I want to say real quick, and probably going to get stuff thrown at me, but um, I hate the word and term of um, man cave. I hate it. I hate the idea of a man cave. Guys, if you have a man cave, do not go home and be an absentee father in your own home. You've got to be with your kids. You've got to be with your kids. Their life and salvation depends on it. Um, so my first point is a father should be engaged in his children's life. Be engaged. Be engaged with your kids. Um, 
a little about me, um, just so George knows. My family came here from Mars. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just had to one-up him, sorry. Um, God, in all his wisdom and grace, allowed me to be raised in a Christian home. Um, I've got great parents, lovely parents. There should be a picture there somewhere of my lovely parents. Is there? Okay. There is? Okay. But anyway, you know what my parents look like. <laughs> They're like right there. Um, but as I grew up, being in a Christian home, I grew up blessed is what I can say now, looking back on it. I know so many people have horrible, horrible, horrible childhoods. And I thank God every day for the parents that I had and the blessings that they gave me. And the, I hate to say it, leg up on society because I became a Christian when I was nine years old. When I was nine years old, I didn't know that your parents don't go to Bible study on Tuesday nights and that you go to church every Sunday and, you know, you're mom and dad speak in tongues and lay hands on people and expect them to be sick or, you know, sit, lay it to be healed. I thought that was normal, <laughs> you know. Um, but I'm not saying that if you, if you weren't born, in, if you weren't raised in a Christian home, you can't, be, you can't be raised good kids. What I'm saying is if you've been raised in a Christian home all your life, thank God. God, you have been given grace beyond. Don't ever take that for granted. You haven't had to go through the junk, I choose that word nicely, junk that a lot of people have. Um, one of the character traits I get probably from my dad is a long fuse, and they're thankful of that. Um, it takes... It takes me a while to get upset, really upset. And um, my dad is the same way. My dad, well, you get in trouble with my dad, and he after, after dinner, he'd have a toothpick in his mouth, and he'd be sitting in a chair, and you start acting up, and the toothpick would start going back and forth in his mouth. <laughs> and that's when you knew something was going on. He also had a lazy boy chair that had the handle on it was just loose. And it would rattle a little bit. And so if you're messing around and doing something you shouldn't, the, the, the handle on the, the, the lazy boy would just kind of rattle. Oh. Now, now, if you understand this, if the lazy boy rolls around and the foot thing comes down, the party's over. It's, it's too late. Run for the hills. You know, put your younger siblings in front of you or something, you know, which was always me because I had two older sisters. That's why I got so big. But the, the other side of the, the, the temper is that um, when we lose our temper, people don't know what to do. I mean, I'm 6'3 and almost 300 pounds, and when I lose my temper, they, people do not know what to do with me. Um, there's a long story, which I won't get into now, but I got upset one time in a furniture store and almost made a lady pee her pants. And I didn't raise my voice at all. That's for another day. Um, as I got older, um, I got into cars 
it kind of looks like my driveway 35 years ago out there. Not quite to that extreme, but uh, yeah, I felt right at home out there. Um, but that's something my dad and I had in common. And it wasn't uncommon to have five or six cars in the driveway. Most of them were mine. Um, but my friends would come over to work on their cars. And we'd spend all night working on cars, doing stuff like that. And it wasn't uncommon to have my dad walk out of them in the morning at 6.30 in the morning, leave to go to work and step over, you know, 19 to 20-year-olds laying on this floor because we'd been working on cars all night. Um, but he kind of became a father to some friends of mine who didn't have fathers. In fact, um, I got a friend of mine that calls me up once in a while and says, his first question is, how's mom and dad? You know, I haven't seen him in, what, probably 12 years. Hey, how's your mom and dad? How's mom and dad? So, um, but yeah, he was, he was uh, dad to people that weren't his children, and that's important too. Um, but a few years after that, I met a pretty lady. Her picture should be up there too, and it's not. Um, but you guys have seen her. Um, we've been married for 31 years, right here, with this gentleman right here, in a row. Yeah. So we've been married for 31 years in a row to the same woman. Which you think is funny, but I worked, actually worked with a man one time that married and divorced the same woman three times. Roy, they outnumber us on the planet. You can pick another one. Ah, oh, but I love her. In six months, you're going to hate her again. What do you... Anyway, sorry. I got to stay focused on my paper here. Um, but my beautiful wife is loving, is a loving heart, a passion for Christ, and a heart for ministry. Um, and she's also a licensed reverend. A lot of y'all don't know that. Um, and she's good looking. Yeah, sorry, that's uncomfortable for you, isn't it? Um, but God has blessed me with four amazing children, Emily, Aaron, Garrett, and Amanda. Um, Emily is, uh, she works for Orange County Public Schools. She worked with special needs uh, children last year. Um, Erin works at, as a house mother at Teen Challenge. She works with runaway and, and abused children, teenagers. Um, she's in a house full of between 18 and 36 uh, middle school and high school girls. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Garrett, he's up there. He runs the sound. He's kind of between stuff right now because of the COVID and different things. Um, but he runs the sound here and he does other stuff and keeps himself busy. And Amanda, she works at, um, on the Rock Preschool. So, but, um, but I love them all. Um, I was going to show you a picture of our two favorite children because you're not supposed to have favorites, but we do. And I was supposed to have a picture of our two dogs. But anyway. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, I need to get moving. My son's going to shut the microphone off. Um, but Sandra and, I, Sandra, and I, obvious, Sandra and I have always to raise our children and plan about and be about God at home. We try to be the same at home as we are at church. Um, you can't fake Christianity in church in front of your kids. They'll see right through it. They'll see right through it. Um, but you need to show 
God to your children in good times and especially in bad times because they'll see it. They see how you handle the bad times and they see what you're supposed to do and sometimes not what you're not supposed to do. Um, but be real in front of your kids. That's what we strive to do. Um, but a father must be, be an example to his children. And that's my second point. Um, it's not always been sunshine and roses, you know, in, in our house. We've had hard times and we've had good times. Um, I remember buying, I mean, we've had some financial difficulties in the past. I remember buying a, a $25 big gulp one time. Um, yeah, when you buy a big gulp with your debit card and there's no money in the bank, the bank charges you $25. So it's a $25 big gulp. I learned that once. So, but God is, God is gracious and he's brought us through and we're, and we're doing well. And we've just been trusting him. I'm going to leave you with this. I found this late so it doesn't have a slide or anything. Um, when I got this late, I, I'm going to run late. These are 10 things that your father never told you. And I thought, man, this is cool. Your father never told you how often afraid he was and yet so very brave, wanting to be sure that you always were protected. He was always worried that he'd fail to provide for you. He wanted you to have everything that he didn't. He struggled to show you just how deep his love was. He never knew the right things to say, but was always proud of you. He rarely knew the right thing to do, but would reassure you it would be okay. He always feared you'd grow up and not need him anymore. He wished every day that he was a better man and wanted you to be better than him. He would sacrifice himself in a minute to save you. He often went without so that you wouldn't. He still longs for the days when your little body will fit on his shoulders. And no matter what sacrifices you've made, he would do it all again in a heartbeat. So, anyway, that's enough of me. I'm going to let Miss, Miss Amanda say some words or stories. I know, that's okay. That's okay. My wife made me cry earlier today, so. Me too, Dad. Me too. <laughs> um. Know, I've been thinking all week what I'm gonna say and I mean I could tell you stories about teaching I could tell you stories about him teaching me how to drive and you know how I was the closest call to getting hit um, um, or how we used to take turns and me playing my show tunes one day and then him playing his his rock and roll. Yeah, um, I think I think deep down neither of us really liked the other music, but we did we did on we moved on. Um, you know he he always made sure we were happy. And um, one day it was raining outside and I just got a new scooter. Um, and if you've ever been in our house, you know, we have this real long hallway and like we have this loop that kind of does our living room and our dining room and our kitchen. 
And he decided, you know what, you can, you can ride your scooter in the house, that's fine. Yeah, on our tile floor. So click, 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 all the way around. Yeah, I could do it any day I wanted, except Sunday after church, because that one was nap time. Couldn't do it then. Um, yeah. Um, and my brother would join in with his rollerblades, so, you know. Um, but, um, I don't know, it's just one of those things where I knew he was always there. Um, every single football game, even when I said you don't have to come to every one, they had to come to every single one. Um, or just, you know, we still hold hands sometimes walking to Publix or Target. And it's just, I know he loves me. And he's always there. And he's not going to hes not gonna do anything or hurt me or ever. It's just, I know I can trust him. Um, but if you know my dad, and this is kind of my big thing, is don't be too serious. I mean, there are times to be serious. Don't get me wrong. I've seen my dad serious. Sometimes on the wrong end of it. But if you know my dad, there's always a story, there's always a joke, there's always a funny comment right around the corner. So just remember with your kids, you need to be serious sometimes. But also sometimes, sometimes you just need to go get ice cream. You know, it's just, you know, you had a rough day, sometimes you just need to go get ice cream. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Have some fun sometimes. So I guess that's my two cents. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, that was the easiest sermon I ever did in my life, I tell you. Now, really, I, uh, I listened to the, the message from both sets of parents about being a good father. But, you know, life isn't fair, is it? Life is not fair. I'll tell you a quick story, then we're all going out and get some pictures at the thing. Uh, Pastor Scott had a great idea. Uh, Mark and those, all everybody brought the cars in and the Jeep. Uh, get your picture taken. You'll never get another shot at it. This is history-making day. But I want to tell you a quick story about, there was a fellow over on Lake Conway <clears throat> some years ago. He had this mansion, a big mansion. I mean, it's, it's, it's like Oh my goodness, 12,000 square foot home. I don't know how many bedrooms out. He had a mother-in-law suite out here and he had a servant suite. He had money. But he was a good man. He had made his money honestly. He had a great family. And uh, his wife uh, really loved him and his two sons loved him. Uh, the sons stuck right. He made sure his sons worked so they would know uh, what work is all about. He, he could have you know, he could have written them a check right then. They could live the rest of their life, but he made them work. One day, one of the sons got this notion. He wanted to go over to the Bahamas and live the, the worldly high life. He wanted to go over to that gambling place over there. I can't think of the name of it. Anybody know the name of that? No, nobody, nobody would know the name of it here, would they? No, I don't. <laughs> But he wanted to go, and he talked to his dad. He said, Dad, you know, I'd, I'd, you give me $5,000 a month allowance. That's what he gave his two boys. Can you imagine? And the one was very frugal. He lived at home. He saved money. He went to college. But the other one had this wanderlust. He wanted to go. He wanted to go somewhere and do something. And, and, 
have a ball, and he had this. So he asked his dad, he said, how about give me a nice chunk of my inheritance that I'm going to get right now? And, and the old man said, oh, that, that's not the... Well, and he begged him. Finally, the father, he loved his son. He gave him the money. And his son took off for the Bahamas, went right over to Atlantis, got him the best penthouse suite and all the stuff that goes along with that. Man, he is having a ball. Everybody treated him like, go, this guy is, oh, look what landed here. And he bought this and he bought that. And he was having a good time until his money ran out. When his money ran out, he found out that the people at Atlantis and the Bahamas and all the hotels and all the glitter and glitz, they didn't give one hoot about him because his money ran out. And he got to thinking, you know, this is, this is not right. Life's not fair. But he made the choice, didn't he? And he said, I gotta, I gotta get me a, a, a plane or some way to get back to, to Lake Conway and see my dad and see if we can work things out. And, and he came back to the to Lake over here at Lake Conway, Orlando, come up to his dad's place, and his dad said, Whoopee! My son is back. Life's not fair. The other boy said, Yeah, that sorry brother of mine to live. That's a whole nother story. The point I want to make is, Dad said, that which was lost is now found. That which was gone is now, it's come back. He's come back. The point of the whole parable is this. God takes care of every one of his children. Maybe our fathers have let us down. There are no perfect fathers for sure. Some have a great testimony. Some of us don't about our fathers. But all of us need to be reassured with the knowledge that God our Father loves us and we don't have to feel sad. We don't have to feel depressed in any way. We can hold our heads high and say, I know my Father in heaven. And I want us to leave here today with that thought that we're fine because God is wonderful. He is our Father. God, I pray for every one of us here today that we will be reunited with the truth that you love us and that always you welcome us with open arms, with love, unconditional. And I thank you for these testimonies that we've heard today. May they help each of us to communicate the love that these families have experienced and ultimately the love that you've put in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Scott, are you going to dismiss us? It's on the ticket. You want me to? Okay. Let's all stand. When you leave here today, I hope you're feeling good. It's not raining, I don't think. Get a picture of you and your family in the cars and remember this day, it's history. Go from this place filled with the Holy Spirit of God. May you receive the favor of God's blessing of healing. May you be filled with the power of the Spirit to live life in abundance. And may you be free to live, free from the enemy because you love Jesus Christ. 
Go in that spirit, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.